We've got a special speaker with us this morning, uh, and I'd like to invite Kathy to come on up uh, and uh, share God's word with us this morning. Kathy Morales is from the uh, is a team leader with the Canadian National Baptist Convention, uh, our denomination, and uh, so she is the team leader for women's ministry. Uh, and, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Good. In transition from evangelism to women's ministry, and so she's been with us, uh, helped with Edge on Friday night, and then uh, uh, did some some uh, work with us uh, yesterday as well. So we're glad to have Kathy here uh, sharing with us this morning. And let me just pray for you before we start. Father, just thank you for Kathy and for bringing her here, and for the gifts and abilities, the experiences you have given her that shape her ministry and allow her uh, that opportunity to speak into her life from her own experiences. Lord, uh, we just pray that uh, you would give her uh, words to say to minister to our hearts today. Lord, help us to to listen uh, to what you have to say to us this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I've had a great weekend here. I'm a little bit sad that it's time to Go home. You're a wonderful church family. Uh, You represent Jesus well. You've been so warm and welcoming to me. I encourage you to keep inviting your friends because as a a stranger coming in, uh, I've had a great experience. And so keep inviting your friends. Uh, uh, Make sure you give them the opportunity to become a part of this wonderful family. Um, This is my family. I have four daughters. Christina, Angela, Stephanie, and Emily. Uh, my youngest daughter, who's number 5463 in that race, um, is an athlete, and she loves bananas. And every once in a while when I go to the grocery store, all the bananas are really green. And so I just take a chance that when I come home, I'm going to put them in the basket and they will begin to ripen. And so Emily comes in and goes, Mom, green bananas. And I say, yeah, sorry, that's all they have. So sometimes she has to go without a banana for a day or two. Uh, Have you ever had green bananas that just never turn yellow? You wait, you hope, you wish, you wait, you hope, wish, and finally they're going rotten and they never turn yellow. Um, So that kind of hope is wishful thinking and unsure optimism. most of the time when we, when we hope, we have an expectation or a desire. Um, at Christmas time, a child hopes uh, that they will get the gift that they've been hinting to the parents that they want. But actually, a child has no confidence, unless they peeked in their mom's closet, uh, they have no confidence that they're going to get what they asked for until they open the gift. Uh, my friend uh, in Calgary used to live in Vancouver, And we're all, uh, the both of us, miss the spring in Vancouver when your flowers are starting to come out and it's green. And in Calgary, we're still shoveling snow. And if we see the grass, it's brown. And so when the daffodils come into our grocery stores from B.C., she always buys me uh, a bunch of daffodils. And sometimes they come really, really closed up tight. And I wonder, will they open? And so I hope, and I wish, and I hope. And one day, I'll come into my kitchen in the morning, and the daffodils are just like this, singing, like welcoming me in the morning. But one year, I came down in the morning, they were still closed. Next day, they were still closed. 
and then the next day they started to shrivel up. Um, I had hope, I had wishful thinking, but it was unsure hope. Uh, hope in the Bible is not wishful thinking. Um, it's confident expectation. It is firm assurance. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is being confident of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So that sounds a little bit different than hoping in green bananas or hoping in closed up daffodils. It's a sure hope. So Christian hope is when God has promised something will happen and you put your hope in that promise uh, you can you can trust God. So hope for a Christian is our radical is the radical result of God raising Jesus from the dead. It's not an emotion. It's not an attitude. It's not a feeling. It's not wishful thinking. It's actually for sure. Um, Christ died for me. Christ died for you. So we have sure hope of salvation and eternal life. Uh, what God has promised to all of us who believe is for sure. And Hebrews uh, 6, 17, Emily has this as a screensaver on her phone uh, with an anchor. It says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Um, some of you know Hamish Bunton. And when my dad turned 80, uh, he had spent 20 years building a sailboat, and his dream was to sail the boat from the Steveson Marina uh, up to Alaska. And so my sisters and I decided to surprise him for his 80th birthday, and we asked everyone we knew if they wanted to go sailing, whether they ever had had any experience or not. Hamish had never had any sailing experience, but that was on his bucket list, and so he signed up for two weeks. Well, Hamish ended up on the boat the week there was a really, really bad storm on the coast. And so my dad put down the anchor and went to sleep. And the storm was raging. Hamish was up all night uh, because the anchor wasn't holding. And he had to keep waking up the captain and say, Captain Bill, uh, I, I've been watching and I think the shore is getting closer. And my dad would get up and readjust the anchor and go back to sleep, snoring loudly within a minute, and Hamish would still be under his blanket, <laughs> listening to the storm, and then uh, checking, and then he'd go, oh no, I have to wake up the captain again, because the boat is moving. All night through that storm, that anchor did not hold. Okay, But the Bible tells us we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Um, I will tell you of a time in my life where I needed to remind myself of this hope, this anchor. Um, I experienced hope in hard times. Might need your help, Marco. <laughs> He's really good at hand signals, so for the rest of the service, I'm going to do this, and he will advance the slide, maybe. Um, hope in hard times. So I had to trust God when my life was interrupted by the unexpected. And with a group this size, I know there are many of you in here that have had lives that have been interrupted by the unexpected. 
Um, in January 2008, my husband, Jesse, uh, who was a church planter, pastor in Calgary, complained of weakness in one of his fingers. And over the next couple of months, he visited doctors in search of an explanation. And there seemed to be no explanation for the growing weakness in his hand. Um, at that time, I really believed once we found a doctor who could correctly diagnose the problem. I didn't come to Dr. Lee, Lou, unfortunately. Uh, I thought once we found a doctor that could diagnose the problem, uh, Jesse would just be treated with medication or therapy, and he would be on the road to regaining strength. On May 5, we were si in, sitting in the neurologist's office filled with hope. But our hope was like the green bananas and the daffodils kind of hope that he would just feel better soon. Uh, after a 20-minute consultation and a few pokes with a pin, the doctor delivered the news that would ever change our lives. He said, Jesse, I have very bad news. You have a fatal illness, ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, I didn't know much about the disease, but since then, the ice bucket challenge has gone around the world and, and created awareness. He said, there's no cure the average life expectancy is two to three years. Soon we were outside the office just holding each other, crying. Um, what now? Why? Is what the doctor's telling us true? Our thoughts raced ahead to the many bridges we would soon have to cross. How do we tell our four daughters that their dad is dying? Our baby, Emily, was only 12 years old at the time and still very young in her faith. And so my concern was, would this diagnosis turn her away from the Lord or would it, would it turn her to the Lord? Um, would Jessie be at her high school graduation? Who would walk her down the aisle? She doesn't have a boyfriend, so we haven't had to figure that out yet. But uh, maybe God would heal Jesse. And then I said, yeah, surely a healing miracle would bring more glory to God. And I just said, yeah, Emily needs her dad. I need my husband. The church needs the pastor. And he was a pastor and a mechanic. And so people loved him because he could get their cars going down Sunday morning if they broke down in front of the church. And our new church plant uh, needs a pastor. Uh, there were very few words I could piece together that day except God help me. Um, I really knew at that point a difficult and painful path was ahead for our family. Uh, Emily was running in a track meet that day. And my husband had brought his own car because he was going off to work. And so after we cried and stood frozen in the parking lot, we just said, well, we have to go on with our day. I better go to the track meet. If I don't show up, she's going to know something is off. So I stopped on the way and bought a pair of sunglasses so I would nobody would see or Emily wouldn't see my swollen eyes that had been crying. I avoided people. Oh, how are you? Good. And I just kept running and uh, uh, until we could get home and tell the girls. I know I'm not alone. I know we all have storms in our lives. And many lives are interrupted by the unexpected. Uh, during a, a storm in your life, just an aching emptiness,
surprise within. The intense suffering of emotional anguish often feels unbearable, just like physical pain. And we'll do anything to avoid pain. We don't like physical pain. We don't like emotional pain. We don't like relational pain. We just don't like hard times. Uh, We want something fast-acting to medicate our pain. And healing sometimes seems more like slow release. Our storms are all different, different intensities, different lengths, but the unchanging solution remains the same. No matter what, run to God, not away from Him. He loves you. He gives us hope as an anchor. Not like my dad's anchor on his sailboat, but God gives us an anchor that is firm and sure and secure. It's not wishful thinking, but it's confident assurance that His promises are true. Uh, Scripture says, ooh, they're ahead of me. Uh, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. 1 Peter 4.12 Don't be surprised. But I have to tell you, I was surprised that day. Uh, Life always doesn't turn out as planned. Uh, We've all seen suffering at three levels. We view striking images of worldwide suffering. Uh, You've seen earthquakes and famines and floods and and hurricanes. Uh, We had a huge flood in Calgary in 2013. Uh, We've all seen unforgettable portraits of community tragedies. Uh, In 2000, uh, I've got the date wrong, it was actually 2014, Um, on our campus, five students were stabbed and killed at a house party the last day of school. And my daughter um, ran into another guy, the tall guy there that was a believer, and she said, we have to pray. Uh, One of her friends had just received a text that her very best family friend lost their son uh, that day. And she wasn't a believer, but she was in crisis. And so they just quickly gathered in prayer. And a reporter from our newspaper uh, caught this picture and thankfully correctly reported in our secular newspaper that students gather to pray in crisis. Uh, the whole community hurts when, when something ha- happens in your area, even though you may not be personally involved. Um, we often experience deep personal pain. Um, for my daughter Emily, it was a season-ending injury as a basketball player. Uh, you may have sickness, disabilities, broken relationships, unhappy marriages. Depression, loneliness, poverty. Um, In Calgary, we've had so many people lose their job. Our city's not very diversified, and most people are connected to oil and gas. And so in our church, we have um, some families where the mom and the dad both work in oil and gas, and they've both been laid off for a very long time. Um, So unemployment. Um, And you could add to that list. And there's often lots of questioning during hard times. 
globally, people wrestle with the following question. Why does God allow hard times? And why is there so much pain and suffering in the world? Uh, and if you're in conversation with people, especially spiritual conversation, these are some of the questions that people will ask you. So make sure you talk about the sure hope that you have in Jesus Christ. Uh, but we've all seen the reaction of the public to the media, to, uh, and the media, especially in suffering. Uh, after the Indian tsunami that killed 250,000 people, and after 9-11, and after the recent earthquake in Mexico City, and after Hurricane Harvey, um, the question being asked is, okay, where was God? A false belief is a good and powerful God would not allow suffering. A true belief is a good and powerful God gives hope in hard times. In the face of evil and suffering, abandoning God doesn't help. Suffering isn't any easier when you say there is no God. Uh, so personally, when people are going through pain, unexpected pain, people ask, why me? Why now? Why this? Um, after my husband died, and then early in her basketball career, Emily tore her ACL, and that kind of put her out. And I was like, Lord, like she's had enough already. Too many losses. But then I had to remind myself of everything that I'm telling you today that I can trust God with Emily. Um, I've come through a season of watching my, asking some of these same questions related to my husband, watching my once healthy, active husband lose one muscle at a time until he could no longer walk, talk, eat, swallow, or breathe. Um, you've all seen suffering in your lives and communities. Death, disappointment, pain, tragedy, divorce. Uh, in a few years, uh, in our first church plant, the Bridge International Church in Calgary, we had a lot of pain. We had a two-year-old little boy drown. A nine-month-old baby die from meningitis. We had an affair between two of our leaders. And we had so many disappointments. And I'm thankful in pain that God just doesn't answer the question why, but his commitment to be to us is to be there for us. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And so asking why is the beginning place in pain, but you can't stay there. You have to move along. And so I call this journey through questioning. It's okay to ask hard questions. God can, answer, can handle our questions. There not always answers for our questions. I know now that knowing the answer to my question would not lessen my pain. The pain would be the same whether I knew why God called my husband home earlier than I expected or if I didn't know. The pain would be exactly the same. Uh, the Psalms are filled with people asking questions. You know, where are you, God? Why don't you help me? 
And these psalms capture the innermost thoughts and cries of people, people just like us. For every question you have or every emotion you've experienced, you can find a psalm to match. Um, the psalmists wrestle with deep sorrow. I mean, these are real, ordinary people wrestling with deep sorrow. And they're asking God difficult questions in pain and suffering. Uh, when you read through the psalms, you can't think of God as a distant and impersonal God. Um, he's a very, very personal God. In every psalm, you find the presence of God um, as a strong, active presence in people's lives. And the joy and the praise that you read about in the Psalms and that we sang about this morning uh, does not come from an absence of problems. It comes from a deep conviction that God will make a way. Living by faith is not easy, but it's possible. There are no magic formulas. Uh, questions, struggles, disappointments are real. But stronger than that is the presence of God and His strength. In suffering, there's a journey through questioning. There has to be movement or your life will absolutely get stuck. But my caution to you is go at your own pace. Sometimes people will try to pull you through pain and suffering too fast, uh, but God has His own timing and, and a journey and a path for each of us. Uh, you need to move from God. Why are you doing this to me? So what are you doing in me and through me? He's always at work. Um, it's okay to be honest about your fears. And I would encourage you to be authentic with a few people that you trust with your pain. And slowly you will learn as you move through pain that God is trustworthy. So you have to move from questioning God to trusting Him. And how do you do that? Uh, Romans 12.12 12 says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be faithful in prayer. So how can you trust God? First part of that verse says, Rejoice in hope. We can't rejoice in circumstances, but we can rejoice in the anticipation of what God is going to do with them, in them, through them, despite them, because of them, you can rejoice in hope. Now, choosing to be joyful is not easy. I love that song. And Willis, I need you to send me the song of Yet I Will Praise. That really ministered to me. Wow, and you have a great worship team. I've seen so many musicians all weekend. Um, rejoicing in hope enables us to be patient in affliction. Rejoicing in hope um, is the ability, sorry, being patient is the ability to wait calmly as the Lord works everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. Uh, His timing is not always our timing. And sometimes we want to go a little faster than the, than the Lord is going, but you have to trust Him. And third, be faithful in prayer. Um, the way up and out of a pit of despair is prayer. Prayer rather than despair. Despair. 
Um, as you pray, God gives a fresh supply of His grace and strength for today. An important part of my journey has been care casting. Uh, be a care caster. First Peter 5.7. Why don't you read this verse with me? Cast all your cares on Him, for He cares for you. And cast, I don't know if any of you are fishermen, but, but if you were going to show me with your hands what cast looks like, what would it look like? Show me. There you go. We got some fishermen. Okay? So cast is always this way. It's not, this is not casting. And so cast means to throw or remove something from one place to another. Okay? So let's see it again. Cast all your cares. Cast. Just Throw them that way. Um, where are your worries? Don't hang on to them. Toss them to God. And how many cares are we supposed to cast? All of them. Not some, but all. No exceptions. No exemptions. You must cast all your cares. And God is a very personal God. He doesn't say, cast your cares in brackets and then list what we're supposed to cast on Him. He says, cast your cares. And your list will be a little bit different than mine. And so this is personal for each one of you. Uh, Cast the unique set of your circumstances that are troubling you. And be careful. When somebody is struggling and you don't struggle with the same thing, don't minimize their pain. You know, oh, don't worry about it. Oh, why are you worried about that? Like for them, that's their care. And so God says, cast your cares. And so your cares are just all your worries, all your anxieties, whatever's on your mind, whatever keeps you from falling asleep, whatever you're concerned about the future, um, those cares that are personal to you. And then where are we to cast them? Okay, so it's not casting into the river. Okay, it's cast your cares on Him. Give it to God. So it looks like, God, I have a problem. I'm giving it to you. So put your hands like this and say this with me. God, I have a problem. Try it again. God, I have a problem. Okay. I can't handle it. I'm giving it to you. Okay. And you're all casting. So now you know how to be care casters. Um, And an acrostic for the word cast, C, is commit. Commit yourself and your situation into the Lord's hands. Don't hang on to it. Uh, A, ask. Ask God for his wisdom and strength. Talk to him a lot about it. F, surrender. Surrender your situation to God's will. Give him permission to resolve it whenever and however seems best to him. And T, trust Him. Trust Him. Begin 
acting on this promise that God will work all things together for good, even though it may not feel like that at the moment. Um, Believe it or not, good comes out of hard times. Uh, God uses hard times to build character. Hard times actually strengthen people. Uh, James 1, 2-4 says, Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So often the road to Christian maturity is persevering through hard times. Sometimes I wish there was another way. I wish, I wish that it was easier. But God uses hard times to build character. Um, consider it a sheer gift when tests, and challenges seem to be coming at you from all sides, you know that under pressure your faith life is forced out into the open, and so you don't try to get out of the the season prematurely. Um, Let it do its work. Let trust God so that you can become mature and well-developed as a Christian, not deficient in any way. Um, many, many Christians have become more Christ-like through suffering and more refined through pain. Uh, there's another song, The Refiner's Fire, and pain is the refiner's fire. Uh, God uses hard times to draw people to himself. Um, suffering is often used by God to lead people to Jesus. People often don't think about God until they're experiencing some sort of pain. Uh, Lots of people will cry out to this God that they don't even believe in uh, when life is hard. Uh, My husband met a man. uh, My husband, Jesse's from the Philippines. And one of his co-workers said, hey, Jesse, there's another Filipino guy in Cochrane that's working on a construction site. And I told him about you. And he can't, he's so surprised that a Filipino would live in a small town because he's not even sure if you can buy rice here. And uh, so he was teasing him a little bit. And so after work, sure enough, this guy showed up and said, what are you doing in a small town? Like, this town only has 4,000. And then he asked him that question. Can you even buy rice here? Or do you have to go to Calgary? And uh, uh, Jesse told him, well, I'm actually here because a few years ago, uh, when I was living in Richmond, B.C., um, I got introduced to Jesus Christ, and he changed my life. God has called me to the ministry and the seminary happens to be in Cochrane, so that's why I live in a small town. And the guy said, oh, you're a Christian. Uh, when I was working in Saudi Arabia, I met some Christians, and they invited me to a few, I think they were called like Bible studies or something. I went a few times, but I haven't really done anything with my spiritual life. And he went away. Well, Jesse came home. Uh, we were starting to church plant. And our, the nickname of our church plant team was Jesse's Girls. You know, there's a song called Jesse's Girls. There's me, my husband, all of our girls. We had no boys. And then we kept meeting women and they kept leading their friends to the Lord. So one day Jesse looked around the room and said, we have a problem here. Like it was Jesse and 19 girls and women. 
And he said, we have to pray for men. And so the day he met Greg in Cochrane, he came home and he said, I think I've met the man we've been praying for. Anyway, fast forward, we had dinner, they had dinner with us, and then the day that Carol was supposed to have a cesarean section uh, for the birth of her third baby, Jesse happened to be in Calgary in the city, and so he stopped by the hospital, and the family was in crisis. The baby was full term, uh, but was missing internal parts, wasn't developed. They whisked her off to neonatal intensive care at our children's hospital, and this family was just in crisis, and they knew that the baby uh, wouldn't live. Uh, the, they, the doctors put the baby on life support uh, so that the family could just cuddle her and, and spend some time with her. And then they told the family that they would have to make the decision when to turn the life support off. Well, that just put them in a bigger crisis. Uh, when they were leaving the hospital that day, a woman uh, handed Greg uh, a note, and he just put it in his pocket. That lady also had a baby um, in intensive care. And so Carol and Greg, the husband and wife that had just had the baby, were at home, and they couldn't sleep because they had to go back to the doctor and say, okay, we want the life support off in one day or three days or six days, and they just wanted the baby to live, and they wanted surgery so they could hopefully fix everything that was wrong with the baby, and and uh, so they couldn't sleep. And it was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and Carol said to her husband, um, oh, what was that piece of paper the lady gave you? And he said, I had no idea. I have no idea. I just put it in my pocket. And so he got out of bed, got his jeans, pulled out his wallet, and pulled out the paper. And the paper said, read Isaiah 41.10, and where you see you, put the name of your baby. So they looked at this piece of paper, and Greg said, what the heck is Isaiah 41.10? And Carol said, I had no idea. And they just kept staring at the paper. And finally, Carol said, you know what? That might have something to do with the Bible. But we don't even have a Bible, Greg. Like, how are we going to read 41.10? And Greg said, just a minute. I'll be right back. He went out of the house in the middle of the night and from the back of his truck pulled out a dirty Bible that someone had thrown away at the landfill two weeks earlier. And when he was dumping construction garbage at the landfill, he noticed the book and just was curious. And when he saw that it was a Bible, he threw it in the back of the truck. And so two weeks later, when they were in crisis, he was able to go out in the middle of the night and get that Bible that someone else had thrown away, but God had strategically placed at the dump. And together, using the table of contents, they found Isaiah 41.10. And they read, Do not be afraid. I'm your God. And the later it says, I will strengthen you and help you. I will give you hope. And then they reread. Do not be afraid. I'm Katie's God. And later on, I will strengthen Katie. I will help Katie. I will hold Katie in my righteous right hand. And they both at the same time had a picture of a big strong hand holding their baby. And they had peace that they could let the baby go. Uh, The end of that story is that that man was the first believer 
um, in our church plant. And so God does use hard times to draw people to himself. Uh, God uses hard times to bring about his purpose. He's in control. Romans 8.28 says, In all things God works for good. Uh, in Genesis 50.20, you know, Joseph's brothers had tried to kill him and then at the last minute they decided to sell him as a slave. And when they were reunited and the brothers were scared to death when they recognized who Joseph was, he says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And those who nailed Jesus to the cross intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. And so as you trust God, hope is born. Um, God knows suffering. Uh, Jesus died with us in affliction. He suffered everything we suffered and more. Physical pain, betrayal, loneliness, abandon. But this scripture tells us, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Uh, God promises one day he will end all evil and suffering. Uh, you have to keep an eternal perspective. Um, when my husband died, I had two grandchildren. And when they were a little bit older, they were eight and five. They were in the back seat of my car. And then uh, Ethan, the older boy, says to his little sister, Maya, where's heaven? And she said, I think it's out by Joe's. Now, where my husband's body is buried is at a cemetery outside the city. And we have some friends that live out there, and they have a little boy named Joe. And so she says, yeah, for sure it's out by Joe's. And he said, no, it's not. And she said, no, it's out by Joe's because we took Papa's body and put it in a box and we left it out by Joe's. I remember Mom said we had to leave it there. So she said, heaven has to be out by Joe's. And Ethan was sort of confused and, and they had this sweet little discussion. Well, I know for sure heaven is not out by Joe's. Uh, I just know it's a for sure place. I know that when I die, I will go there. I know we will all be reunited with those who have died in Christ. Suffering will not last. It's temporary. First uh, Peter 1.6 says, you know, for a little while you may suffer. In the middle of it, suffering, suffering seems to last forever, but in the light of eternity, it's actually very short. Uh, God gives us himself. Deuteronomy 31.8. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. So don't be discouraged. Um, God gives hope. You can read that verse. Um, I don't understand the reason for our personal loss and tragedy. Uh, my youngest daughter, Emily, is 22. She has no dad. He was a great pastor, a great evangelist, church planter, mechanic, good friend. He's gone. Why? I still don't know the answer to the why question, but I know what the answer isn't. The answer isn't that God doesn't love or care for me. Um, abandoning God would not make my situation any easier. In my suffering, I've learned to cling to God. I slowly move from why, 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 questioning at the beginning, to now, Lord, what now? Um, an agnostic professor at Princeton University 
became a believer when he studied the lives of Christians who had suffered. He was drawn to God when he saw the ra- their radiance in the midst of pain. Um, all of my husband's caregivers came to the Lord in that awful season. His palliative care nurse accepted the Lord a week before he died. Um, people who experience pain often experience the more uh, love of God. Um, in ancient times, people wore sackcloth as a, as a sign of suffering and loss. And, and so then if people uh, were walking down the street and they saw someone in sackcloth, they would know to treat that person with um, compassion. And today, I'm wearing sackcloth, but I'm wearing it on the inside. Uh, you didn't know this story about me when you saw me. So our broken hearts are not always visible. And like me, you may be wearing sackcloth, but it's on the inside. So I'm learning a few things uh, in my new outfit. I'm learning, don't hide pain. Share with trusted friends. Express emotion. Ask God to help you. It's absolutely okay to ask hard questions and days of life for short. My husband had a bad habit. He would come in from our garage, pass our closet, and hang his jacket on the chair. And I'm embarrassed to tell you how many times I picked up that jacket, stomped my feet, and said, Jesse, you walked by the closet, and I hung it up. And then he would do it again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. And every time I pulled the jacket, stomped to the closet, and hung it up. After he died, I walked in the house one day, and I just stopped. And I looked at the dining room chair that didn't have a jacket on it. And that day, I wished the jacket was there. Days of love are short. So take care of the people that you love. Say, I love you often. Hug people. Uh, Many people are going through a hard time. Our final promise is Lamentations 3, 20, 21. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope, sure hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions, Never fail. They are new every morning. And great is your faithfulness. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I thank you that you uh, offer sure hope to us and your promise is to be with us in pain and suffering. Father, I pray for this wonderful family here God, I pray they'll learn to cast their cares on you and remember how much you love them. In Jesus' name, amen.